0: We are back from the Realm Makers Conference in July 2021. Over 400 people arrived in St. Louis or watched the streaming video at this premier Christian-led conference for faith-based creators of fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. What keeps Christian fans and authors assembling at this annual event? Welcome anew to Fantastical Truth from Lorehaven.com, where we explore the best Christian-made fantasy, sci-fi, and beyond. And we apply the meanings of these stories to the real world that our author, Jesus Christ, calls us to serve. I'm E. Steamer Burnett, the publisher of Lorehaven. I'm also the co-author of the non-fiction book about fiction called The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell. No, Zachary Russell is actually not here. He is resting up because, as I said in the intro, we both just got back from Realm Makers. He took a little bit more time to get here than I did. I am back in my makeshift studio, and he will be editing the episode a few days late for those of you uh, who enjoy getting it on tuesdays uh, we just needed to take a little bit of a break there while we recovered from the conference those of you familiar with going to conferences for christians or writers or christian writers or otherwise know that there is a uh, there's a plague gallivanting about the land it's called conferenceitis uh, you can't ward it off with a mask there are a few different variants uh, but symptoms of conferenceitis do include multiple nights of lost sleep also, with conferenceitis, uh, you end up uh, feeling uh, a greater sense of companionship uh, with the people who are attending the conference with you. You are all on a mission. It's almost like being on the military. From what I've heard, uh, there's uh, different personalities, of course, and uh, people may have different rankings at the conference, uh, but you all have a similar purpose. You're there to learn from one another. You're there for the camaraderie. Uh, you're there for this working vacation type arrangement. So. I will not belabor the intro here. Zach uh, should be back by now, and you should be able to get your next episode from us on time on Tuesday, Lord willing. Uh, Since I got back from the conference, I've just returned to the day job, uh, but I have a whole lot of new contacts, new friends to look up, uh, thanks to the Lorehaven booth that we hosted there. And as you may have known, if you kept up with all of our materials on Instagram and on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, on all the socials, Our uh, keynote speaker was Frank Peretti, uh, sort of a founding father, or as uh, many people referred to him as the Obi-Wan Kenobi of Christian fantasy fandom. And indeed he was. Uh, He seemed to be having a great time uh, just meeting everybody. Realmakers can be a bit overwhelming for someone who hasn't been there before. And I think this was his very first time being there. I don't think we could have hardly let him show up as an attender without asking him to say something to us. So if you want to see more of Frank Peretti and any of the other conference coverage, look up Lorehaven on the social networks. We may also post some photos and have a little bit more information at Lorehaven in the coming weeks. You will also get some photos of our Lorehaven booth. Every year at Realmakers. uh, we feature the website. We feature Fantastical Truth nowadays as well as back issues of back when Lorehaven was doing the print issues. And We invite everyone to subscribe just as I will invite you to subscribe at lorehaven.com slash subscribe. You get the new podcast episodes every Tuesday, the reviews every Friday, and then articles every week. Before we open our mics to the fan side chats that we had at the conference from a variety of creators and attenders, uh, we've received another CDC warning. A lot of those coming out these days. According to the words of this warning, uh, it's a single word, doom. That leads us to our first sponsor for this episode, which, again, is Joshua David's novel, Seed Judgment, a science fantasy tale of biblical proportions. It is available now exclusively on Amazon. Seed falls from the heavens and judges humanity. One foretells of the coming calamity, but the words are heeded too late. Few remain after the war against the cosmic demon. Long confined to one of the few outposts left on Earth, Sal accepts an unauthorized mission to find a survivor lost in the Vegas Wastes. He believes his target is special, imbued with a spirit that might finally turn the tide against the darkness. But to save her from the risen, still haunting humanity, he'll have to fight alone and outgun against enemies that have already conquered the world. That's the story summary. The Lorehaven-sponsored review says of this novel in part, Joshua David's Seed Judgment marries the Thing, Resident Evil, and Mad Max to generate a post-apocalyptic tale of frenetic intensity. There is a beauty to the brutality a dance in the destruction learn more about this story in the show notes for this episode at laurhaven.com podcast you can also link to the sponsored review and get that purchase link from amazon meanwhile let's play some flashback music let's uh, tint the edges of the screen get a little fuzzy border whatever you want to recall as we cast our memories back to railmakers conference live on recording So we're here with Scott Miner who's actually the big kahuna here at Realm Makers. He's the uh, Realm Makers Executive Director. Uh, he and his wife Rebecca P Miner started the Realm Makers conference way back on a college campus in August of 2013. And now 9 conferences later or 8 real conferences and one virtual conference later. Uh, we're back in St. Louis. This is the live conference at the Sheraton Westport Chalet Hotel. Uh, it's also being streamed, actually, uh, with help from our own podcast co-host, uh, Zachary Russell. Scott, how many people are going to Realmakers this year, both live and in person, and watching via streaming video?
1: We topped 400 right before the conference started. We're at 401. Okay,
0: 401,
1: yes. so Anybody who wants it to be an even 400
0: is just going to have yeah. to be a, a little bit sloppy. That's I was what the creative happy with the even like. 400,
1: but I did not uh, I did not begrudge the 401st person from registering. Right.
0: Well, that 400 first person has a special honor uh, because they are the reason why we now get to say Realm 2021 was attended by over 400 exactly. people. Exactly. Not 400 people exactly. even, over 400 people. Over. Yes. So how has it been going? Uh, like, How have you all uh, enjoyed being
1: able to meet
0: again in person uh, at the same place here in St. Louis where we were for our last live event in 2019.
1: Well, it's it's always fantastic. Uh, this year is different than other years in that I've been able to set it up ahead of time that other people are in charge of more things than in the past. So it's actually quite difficult to be less in control, but it's also quite liberating if you can just let it happen and Relax, And I think I've been able to do that.
0: That's awesome. Now, Scott, you yourself are not a novelist, but you have to work with many novelists, aspiring and published. So you've probably picked up a few of the terms, some of the jargon that writers use uh, when they think no one else is listening. Do you think that you would be an outliner or a pantser? Do you plan everything in advance Oh, for your I'm plot? a major pantser. Okay. I, I have a, a, no idea what I'm
1: going to say one moment to the next <laughs> or where we're going to go, what we're going to do. But I, I just have a, a sense or a feeling... And I go with it. Um, I do plan yes. a lot, but that doesn't have much bearing on what I do. <laughs> if that makes any sense, yeah. No, it, that uh, the does planning make sense. portion is kind of you know it's the research, it's the planning, it's the time spent carefully considering the options. But then when it comes time to uh, when an opportunity arises, I rely heavily on intuition and perception to decide what we're going to do next. Are we going to open up a new store? And you know, right now the latest thing is doing a, uh, a fantasy fan con for Christian creators. That would be fantastic. Now, I said fantasy. It's not going to exclusive, be exclusively a fantasy. Well, that's why we say fantastical, because right. that
0: you start with fantas as the root word, and then that, that to me that encompasses science fiction, paranormal, horror, uh, anything that's not of this world but beckons to the next. That's right, the term right. We use.
1: It's the next step for what we've been doing, taking the books to the homeschool conventions, and the more I've attended Christian events, and the more I've attended... Uh, fantasy events or book festivals and met Christians there digesting the fantasy, science fiction, all the stuff that um, the folks here are writing, but from the secular world. right? That's right. what they're reading because that's what they're finding. As we've been able to narrow that gap, that chasm that we saw between Christian authors of fantasy and science fiction and Christian readers of fantasy and science fiction. Now that we've started to narrow that chasm a bit, I'm seeing so much overlap between, I I now know what other people seem to not know, and that simply is the fact that Christians read fantasy science fiction. They digest popular culture, they enjoy it, and they enjoy it with their kids, and their kids enjoy it, and Christians more and more need to be in that space. Yeah, it's not a matter of whether Christians are engaging
0: in this space, but how. Right. You know, are, are we engaging passively, just kind of taking it in, or are we thinking about this biblically? What is the purpose of these stories? And that's why I love coming to Realm Makers, both as a creator of these stories and as a fan of these stories, right. because folks here are engaging and creating these stories with intention. I noticed last night with all of the Realm Award winners, like many were you know, using their stories as expression of worship to God. You know, this is something deeply personal to them uh, as expressions of the gospel. Absolutely. And, and then that's come through in the in keynote speaker Frank Peretti's messages as well. Speaking of the planning ahead, I mean, it was this time last year uh, that you all announced that the next year's uh, keynote speaker would be Frank Peretti, mm-hmm. uh, which is just fantastic. And how, how has that gone, do you think? Just having a kind of a, a, a founding figure of Christian-made fantastical fiction uh, actually here at Realm Makers Conference uh, to see what,
1: in part, his books hath wrought. Sure! Well, I mean, it has everything to do with Frank as a person. He's yeah. very generous, very uh, very humorous, and he's, he's a fantastic person just to speak with. He's very encouraging, he's very godly, um, and the time spent with him is just it's, it's worshipful, worshipful, it's encouraging. And, and when you're talking to him or when you, you're seeing him talk, you, you just love him. Yes. Because of his childlike exuberance, but also his Gandalf like wisdom. Yes. You know? A,
0: the heart of a child, but the head of an adult is the impression that I'm getting, uh, yes. which is what C.S. Yes. Lewis recommended for the mature Christian. Uh, you have to keep that sense of delight in your imagination, but also that sense of growing intellectually in your faith. As as part of the mind journey,
1: yeah, and and I and I want to encourage authors like that, more authors like that who are Christian authors who can engage with stories that reflect a coherent Christian worldview. Yes, but within popular culture, and so much I observe the whatever you might call them, the gatekeepers, you know, the, the Christian church or the big organizations shaming. Christian artists from doing that. Yes. They have to do a Christian thing. They have to make it Christian. They right. have to turn it into something that is uh, perhaps nonfiction or attract or, and right. there, there's or a, a purpose for those things or a sermon. Yes. There's a purpose for those things and they exist and they need to. But not everyone is called to give the same message some people are an author and they are an author of fantasy or science fiction and they are uh, i i was meeting with a group of pastors that i uh, i meet with i'm not a pastor and i say that every time we go around and introduce each other but uh a couple of weeks ago thursday they prayed for realm makers oh, wow. and the authors here and the faculty and one of them said "You know the." The artists in the Christian church are, another word for them is is prophet. Mm. No, not to say in the in the capital P that right. they're all prophets. Well,
0: pro- prophetic. Prophetic. Here we see, we see well, that word, Just in yes.
1: terms of being able to see what is true and see what's happening and perhaps where it's going and write to that, yes. speak to that. Uh, in their art, uh, from a intuitive uh, standpoint. Now, there's a lot in the church that would look at some artists and and start trying to pigeonhole them politically, right. that's not really where what we need to discuss at this point because that's a totally separate conversation but just to be sensitive to the holy spirit be sensitive to their own promptings in their imagination and write a wonderful story that they are talking to other christians and saying hey read this what do you think about it and maintaining uh, a coherent Christian worldview. Right. Lots um, of the folks that we're talking
0: to at the Lorehaven booth, like, occasionally we'll get the questions, just as I'm sure you've gotten the questions of, well, I'm a Christian and I write fantasy, but it's not Christian fantasy. My response, at least, from my vantage, when I hear that question is, okay, unless you're trying to partition your faith from your creative process, you have written Christian fantasy. But the perception persists that a proper Christian fantasy book will have an altar call in there, will have a specific denominational brand or uh, a, you know, John 3.16. You know, it will basically be a sermon in disguise. All and right. like, I, I, I say that the purpose of fiction is different. Uh, it is an imaginative exploration of the world. In, if there are any sermons in that creation process at all, they are in the author or maybe in the world-building world building you know, which is the author term for uh, the supporting material that you use when you're creating the world of the story. Like It's under the story. It doesn't have to be in the story. The sure. purpose of a story is not the same as the purpose of a sermon. Both are means of discipleship, but you learn to be a disciple of Jesus Christ through hearing other people's stories, real stories and fictional stories, and you learn how to be a disciple through sermons. But sermons are not the most godly way to learn to be a disciple. No, God uses any gifts that he distributes among his children.
1: When when Jesus wanted to have someone he's speaking with understand what's true, he didn't simply tell them what it was. Yeah, He told them a story. So that that truth could be something or the answer could be something that the hearer now realizes for themselves and they own that answer. They own that truth instead of Jesus giving them this is truth and them choosing to receive it or not. He said, let me tell you a story. And then what happens in the hearer's mind is their own realization. Yes. And they go, Oh, now I know what's true. I understand what he said. Right. And, um, that's, that's a much more effective way to tell stories. Some stories, some authors, Christian authors, absolutely there's a place for there to be a sermon in this book if it is, if that's the audience for it. Um, it is not necessary for a book necessarily to be Christian. From my standpoint, for realm makers, um, I want to support the authors. I have no stake in being... This, this filter that is going to say what people should be writing. That's for the publishers or the self-published authors. Uh, they can write what they're writing and I am not going to put my own uh, personal political beliefs or what I personally believe uh, and, and only let those people in. That's not my job. That's the publisher's job. right? right? My job is to create a place where everyone can come of all stripes no matter what they believe and hopefully through coming and submerging their brains in this stew of Christian imagination that they would emerge after hearing intelligent people speaking and speaking with other intelligent Christians who love Jesus that we would all become closer to Jesus not to you Right, The goal isn't for everyone here to become more like me right, or more like someone who's the most conservative or become more like someone who's the most liberal or progressive or however we want to uh, describe people. But um, I just want to acknowledge everyone's personhood and individuality and help them feel like they're not alone, gotcha. that they have a place to come that they can talk to people about what they do, what they believe, and have an intelligent conversation. Cool, so two questions for you as we close out. Uh, First off, lots of people
0: are new this year, or they're new to the live version of Realm Makers after first attending the virtual conference uh, during July of 2020. Do you have a rough estimate of how many people here
1: uh, fall under either of those categories? Sure, well, three years prior, so in 2017, 2018, 2019, uh, we had approximately 50% of the people that would come to Realm Makers were brand new. Um, I think that number bore out as well in 2020. Being virtual, it was easier. But uh, this year I noticed, oh, it's only 38%. Yeah, <laughs> Only okay, 38%. But the other thing I realized as uh, after I got here is like, oh, I see, because so many people attended last year but this is really their first year in person it's probably closer to the same as far as 50 percent never been to realm makers in person before so that that um i'm gonna stick to that that statistic as far as the number of new folks who've never come to the conference before being 50 50 percent in reality this year it's it's 38 when people self describe themselves as a first-time attendee. Yeah. I, saw, I met a lot of people with a number two on their badge. Because yeah, it was a second year. My, that's but it's like, my first year it. here, here. Yes. you know, yeah. So
0: if you've got a one sticker on there, uh, people who have their badges for the conference, uh, there's lots of little stickers you can put on there to identify what types of stories you're creating. But also there's a number that says how many conferences you've attended. Generally, if I see somebody with a one sticker or a two sticker, they're both here new for the first time at, uh, at Realm Makers Live. So my last question here for you, Scott, is first, obviously, where can people find out more about Realm Makers and check into the conference that we have planned uh, for the 2022 season?
1: Sure. Well, you can definitely plug in with Realm Makers at our website, www.realmmakers.com. I could not tell you that we have a ton of information up there about 2022 yet. But it's going to be July twenty-first to twenty-third, 2022, in Atlantic City. We do have some faculty that have confirmed for attending. We're going—you're going to be able to see Tosca Lee, C.J. Redwine, James Rubart, Wayne Thomas Batson is teaching the teen track, and uh, more and more faculty members will be added to that list as we go. But uh, we're looking forward to going to Atlantic City for real because that was what got aborted in. 2020, um, we could not have our our live conference in Atlantic City, so we're going to be back there 2022, and um, most likely it's looking like 2023 is going to be in Orlando. Okay.
0: Okay. So we're yes. ready to say that now.
1: Oh, sure. Don't hold me to that, but uh, we just haven't signed the contract yet. But okay. Um, I have continued every year. I, I look at the Pacific Northwest, and uh, it just requires finding the right hotel and. Over the last couple of years, they've just been non-responsive. So if, if if I don't get a response to my request for a proposal, I, I there's I have no proposal to right. consider. It's kind <laughs> of a signal of
0: disinterest, or maybe it just went to the spam folder. Who knows?
1: Well, I think after twenty twenty, they're just everybody's on the skeleton right, crew right. right now, and it's easy to miss things.
0: It's a big blessing just to be able to get back into this, and then you know there, there's some hiccups and glitches here and there because a lot of people, especially in the conference industry, are still very uncertain about things. But you're familiar with this hotel, and it's been wonderful to meet here. Again, go to realmmakers.com and make sure you join the Sphere as well. Uh, the Absolutely. conference is not just an annual event every summer. Uh, it's always on, effectively, at the Sphere social network. Realmmakers.com is where you can find out more about that. Scott, thank you so much for sitting down at the Lorehaven booth, and uh, we can let you get back to managing the conference. uh, Always a pleasure, Stephen. Best wishes, and Godspeed to you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. So we're here with David Umstadt, who has attended Realm Makers before virtually, as I understand, in the year 2020 for the Pandemic Edition Conference. I attended as a hologram, as was required during the last year. Yes, we all beamed into the holodeck, otherwise known as Discord. But this is your first event live, in person, here in St. Louis. And I'm dying to know how you feel about doing it in reality with real people, real faces, here in St. Louis.
2: It's, it's great. It's good to know that uh, all these people exist and that uh, it wasn't just a figure of my imagination. But yeah, I've been to a lot of writers' conferences before, uh, when I was a young, wee, small writer. Uh, and now I am uh, a, a bigger rider now because uh, I gained weight, uh, but also because I have a lot more experience. And now I'm here to uh, pitch, and it's been going really good.
0: Now, of course, Fantastical Truth is reaching out to fans of these stories. You know, your potential future readers, so not necessarily writers, but it's great for fans to know where these stories are coming from. And they're coming from folks who are getting together at events like this. They are sharing not only faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also expertise in how to create worlds for His glory, uh, as acts of worship, as expressions of how He has created us to be image-bearing creatures, whether or not those specific Christian terms, those specific ideas get into the fiction. So I'm curious like how it's gone for you, uh, who you've been learning from, and just anything that you have really picked up uh, on in the
2: conference and really enjoyed getting into. Well, all of Frank Peretti's speeches have been excellent. Apparently, Frank Peretti is actually an excellent speaker, and he's been doing it a long time. And yeah, not all the time do you have writers who are really good speakers, but Yeah, if there's some way that you can find Frank Peretti's Q&A or his opening addresses, try to watch those because they're they're really, really good. Um, And I watched a really good teaching by Steve Lobby uh, on The Crucible of Lament, uh, which is all about uh, suffering, uh, which is something we uh, Christians uh, sometimes like to uh, not talk about uh, because some of us are of the opinion that uh, life is supposed to become uh, happy and better when you become a Christian. To those people, I would say consider reading the Bible sometime. But he gets into a lot more detail, and uh, it was really, really good. Um, usually, when I go to a writers' conference, I hear a bunch of stuff I've already heard before, and there's been a little bit of that here. But it's all stuff I needed to hear. I went to a class on preparing pitches for a uh, for book pitches to uh, publishers, and that like I made a pitch and I used it the same day in my pitches, and it went really, really well. It's like I very rarely had something where. I've learned the thing and then immediately was able to use it in a good way. And uh, so it's been a good experience all around.
0: Fantastic. You get that balance of the practical uh, skill cultivation here at the Realm Makers courses. And I've benefited from that also as a story creator. But I find that increasingly I enjoy those more devotional, more personal the creative life in Christ topics, uh, like you described uh, from uh, Steve Lobby's course. Uh, Steve Lobby, by the way, uh, has his own literary agency, uh, but also runs uh, Enclave Publishing, where we're getting a lot of the, the great Christian-made fantasy and sci-fi and such, uh, including many authors and topics you've heard about here on Fantastical Truth. So, David, what's next for you today, and uh, what are you going to take home with you, and where can people find out more about the stories
2: that you're creating? Well, next for me is lunch, which I'm really looking forward to. But, yeah, I've done my pitches, and so I, it's weird not having a pitch to look forward to. That was all stressed out for me. So uh, I'm going to go to a few more classes, see what else I can learn, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully get better and uh, maybe have fun. But uh, fun's not the goal for me, although sometimes it's a byproduct.
0: So uh, actual last question, how much sleep have you gotten over the conference's duration so far?
2: Well, I didn't know that it was possible for me to consistently wake up at 4.30. I don't know why that's happened. I'm not even jet lagged. This is the same time zone I'm in normally, but I've been going to bed at like 9 or 10 and waking up at 4 or 4.30, and it's been really creeping me out. Please help. What is going on?
0: That's just called conferenceitis, and it's not the worst kind of pandemic we can have if you take the last year into account. Uh, but it is curable. You Do simply have, they go They pills for that, or yeah, well, but the only solution is to go home, uh, have a lot of water, especially if you're dehydrated, and catch up on sleep, and try not to immediately feel like you have to fix everything about your manuscript. Uh, that will come in time, and you'll eventually all all that wisdom will sink down, and then hopefully uh, the fatigue will eventually resolve itself. So. David, thanks so much for sitting down here at the Lorehaven booth and uh, wish you Godspeed in your creative endeavors. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So not to interrupt any further of these amazing conversations, these fan side chats, but I just wanted to step in here for a moment and remind us all that Realm Makers, as the organizers have said several times, is not a church, but many people from the church do join Realm Makers. That just happens to remind me of our second sponsor, which is A.J. Chamberlain's novel, Urban Angel. This is a story of courage, redemption, and spiritual warfare set in contemporary London. Its description is as follows. One day, the church will be made perfect, but for now she bears the scars of war. Alex Masters knows all about that war. For her, the journey to faith has been marked by grief and loneliness, but still she chooses to believe. Daisy is a child of the social media generation, lost in every belief and none. When tragedy strikes... She seeks out her cousin Alex because she knows that Alex understands what it is to face the darkness. They come together, believer and unbeliever, hunted by an enemy that will do whatever it takes to achieve its goal. Alone, Alex and Daisy would be defenseless, but this is not a struggle against flesh and blood, and not every weapon is visible. Urban Angel launched on July the 1st, and it is available from all the major ebook platforms and your local bookshop. It's the first book in the Masters series. Get the link, the cover, all the purchase info, again, at the show notes, lorehaven.com slash podcast notes for episode 71 or a few of the earlier episodes in the month of July. Here's a text from a reviewer. Urban Angel is distinctly different from standard Christian fiction. It doesn't shy away from the tough issues faced by Christians. It's gutsy, frank, and relevant. So we're joined now by author Heidi Lynn Burke, uh, a.k.a. H.L. Burke, who's written many fantasy novels, uh, steampunk, other genres, including a few that we have reviewed at Lorehaven for our review section. So great to meet you again, and I'm wondering how you're enjoying the conference.
3: I am kind of loopy. I'm on a social high, and (laughs) I think it's going to take a while to come down from it, but I'm having a great time. Um, I like running around making people wonder what what I've been up to because I'm I'm a little a little nuts. <laughs>
0: so who did you cosplay as last night? I saw several of the photos for the costume banquet.
3: So I was my own original character, uh, Prism, aka Lucia Powell, who's a superhero in the world of my supervillain rehabilitation program. She's kind of the main character, the leader of the SVR, and uh, so I was trying to be her. Which is always when you're going to this original, no one's going to know who you are. But it's fun if someone asks, you, you can explain. <laughs>
0: So I'll, I'll ask a personal question, if you don't mind. How much sleep have you gotten over the past two or three nights? Spoken mm-hmm. as in, in terms of hours or percentage?
3: Oh, so all nights combined? I might have managed Seven.
0: Seven. <laughs> I just talked to a chap who said he thought he'd had maybe 10 hours over the past three nights. So you are beating his average yeah. or losing to him depending on how you tally those.
3: I, I have a thing where I can survive a very little sleep. I blame it on being a mom because uh, there were times yeah. when it just wasn't and I learned to cope and that's how I do. <laughs>
0: there you go. Are you one of those writers by the way who gets to the conference and like you're, your head is swimming with new ideas for new stories and you have to avoid uh, going back to the hotel room to write those or can you kind of suspend that creative process in order to engage this kind of creativity?
3: I can't write around people. People are distractions. I'm an extrovert. So people are distractions to me. So if there are people in the room, I'm people watching, I'm trying to get their attention by making funny faces. I can't help it. So I don't usually get much writing at the conference. If I do, it's like in the low times between travel or something. Like if there's nothing going on, I'll pull up my phone and scroll through my Google doc and stuff. But mostly I'm pretty good just being here with people for a while. And then when I get home, I'll, I'll get back to writing.
0: Yeah, same. Do you have the Talkable sticker on your conference badge?
3: I do, yeah. Yeah,
0: there it is. <laughs> yep, I got one here too. Uh, at least at RealMakers I'm very talkable. Now, if it was a sporting event or something, well, I probably wouldn't go in there in the first place, but yeah. uh, if I did, I might not feel as talkable. So this is your fourth conference? Were you at the virtual event in 2020 as, all, as well?
3: Yeah, four for is counting the virtual for me. Yes. I, I did some debate about whether, but I figured I did mentoring that year or So on the for the for Maker, so I thought, I'm gonna count it. I worked for that one.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. So what was your last book that you just came out with? There was the, the Supervillain Reformed, uh, what, what was the title of that one again?
3: Uh, so there's the Supervillain Rehabilitation Project. Though technically, the last book I put out was on the side series, which is a supervillain romance project, which okay. is my rom-com series. It's related to that one. And that would be on the run of a supervillain.
0: <laughs> OK, OK. You've also done some steampunk, uh, which I've read as well. Uh, I think it was your book a couple of books ago or something that we that we reviewed in a Lorehaven issue. Uh, hopefully, we'll link to that in the show notes.
3: I believe so, that was Heart of the Curiosity. Yeah. That was it, yes. Heart of the
0: Curiosity. Yes, yes. thank you. Uh, so <laughs> what's ahead for you uh, as you head back?
3: I've been kidnapped by superheroes and they will not let me go. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to continue to write superheroes until I've run out of ideas for that series, which I've got uh, at least six books kind of lined up in my thought process for it. Okay. So that's that's going to consume me for at least another year and a half.
0: <laughs> okay. Was there anything at the conference that you appreciated hearing either from Frank Peretti or any of the other speakers uh, that has helped you engage further in that world?
3: Oh. No, not for my world particularly. I kind of do what I want no matter what. I'm, I'm really bad that way. <laughs> I did love the, the speech, though. It's, I, it just has someone who has some humor and doesn't take himself too seriously as a writer, even though he kind of has the chops, too, if he wanted yes, to. Yes. It's just really refreshing to me.
0: Yes. P- Frank Peretti can just... I, I like to say he can get away with this, but it's just... Uh, actually, with Scott Miner and I were talking about. You know, hey, it's it's kind of this this heart of a child, but the mind <laughs> of a grown up, or maybe that was how I phrased it. Like, you're hey, just talking like this, and, and, and it's just really memorable. But then also, it's not just how he's saying, but what he's saying. So. Yeah,
3: and I like how he engages with the room and the culture and with other people. It just he feels genuinely kind, which is something I always appreciate in people. And it's nice because you you get some author types who are a little bit on their Pedestal and yes, yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Someone compared it to the episode of Firefly, in which the crew of the Serenity arrives on the moon, uh, where they discover to their shock that Jane, one of their crew members, has become a folk hero to the people of Canton. <laughs> uh, is that how Frank Pretty feels going around here and then seeing all these people singing about the hero of Canton, the man we called Frank?
3: Oh, a little bit. It's, it's, to me, it's more just, you know, nice to humanize someone, I guess.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been really cool just to talk to get to know a little bit and I hope you'll mm-hmm. be back and I'm glad that you're back too. So. I'm
3: glad to be back. I'm hoping I can keep coming for many more years. Yeah,
0: same. Where can readers find out more about your work? Uh, what's uh, what you've written and what's ahead for you?
3: So I have my website. It's just hlburkauthor.com, and I'm on most of the social medias under the same um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So, uh, yeah, so keep up with me there. And of course, um yeah, uh, I have uh, some books through Uncommon Universes Press. You can find me on their website as well.
0: Okay, and we will link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you, H.L. Burke. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Well, thank you too. It's great.
0: So we're joined now by Lonnie Forbes. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, you did. Good, good. Lonnie Forbes, who now, for her first. Entrance to the Realmakers community, live and in person, here in St. Louis. Uh, she won several awards last night, Realm Awards, in I think I counted correctly, three categories at the costume banquet.
4: Yes, three categories. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: and that is for your novel, The Seventh Son, which is followed by book two, which is The Jade Bones. So these are the best novels that were published during the year 2020, and I see both of them here. So the uh, The Seventh Son was published last year, and then the second book was published this year.
4: Yes, it came out okay. in February of 2020. Okay.
0: So in which categories did you win?
4: Um, So The Seventh Son won in Best Debut Novel, Best Young Adult, and Best Epic Fantasy.
0: Yes. And you can see more information about that and all the award winners in our show notes for this episode. Um, How would you describe The Seventh Son, which has a very unique cover and a very unique premise from what I've seen so far?
4: Yes. I basically like to pitch it as an Aztec version of The Hunger Games meets The Bachelor.
0: Okay. Meets The Bachelor. Yes. As one does. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. So what happens in the seventh son? Like how would you describe where the story goes?
4: So um, I guess you could almost think of it as a retelling of the book of Esther as well, because um, basically what happens is the king, or the emperor has died, and so his son is about to ascend to the throne and he's got a lot of worries on his shoulders because he's responsible for raising the Sun each morning and he's noticing that the Sun is starting to set a little bit earlier and earlier each night so he's afraid that the next apocalypse might actually be upon them but in the middle of that he has to pick a wife from one of the city-states which are all um, run by different families that are descended from the gods and so each family kind of has their own magical ability or power that they that they can manipulate and um, so he has to choose one of the royal daughters from one of these city-states to be his wife, but the daughters that he does not choose are going to be sacrificed to the gods to bless his marriage to the one he does Wow! Is that the (laughs) excerpt
0: that Scott read last night? Mm -hmm. It was from that scene, yeah. So, so there's there's gods in your world this is a this is a there's a pantheon going on kind of Incan Empire inspired version of that or, or Mesoamerican fantasy I guess you could call it
4: yes it's it's highly influenced by Mesoamerican mythology um, but as a Christian it was amazing to me the more I studied the mythology how much crossover I could actually see with yes. the Christian faith yes. and so for me even though it's it's you know a pantheon it's it's Aztec you know Mayan mythology there's a lot of it's very allegorical for me for the yes. Christian faith
0: yeah and that's that's important to note for listeners who are a little concerned about the ideas of gods and such, well, first off, some of the fantasy greats played with that idea. C.S. Lewis had creatures called gods, lowercase g, and goddesses, again, lowercase g, in Narnia. Tolkien had his whole imaginary pantheon of, like, angelic-type creatures, uh, the Valar, serving beneath the one creator of Middle-earth and lots of other authors have explored these ideas. Like it, it's easy when you go into another universe then to think about these uh, otherworldly arrangements for deities or the powers of the world. Uh, it just takes a discerning mind and an open heart to understand that yes, we can engage with these ideas on the imaginative level, and then see, okay, what, what do these mean? Like, what, what is the meaning of these ideas, the, the meaning of where other cultures were coming up with these different pantheons, and then how does that compare to the biblical worldview? If you don't see it overtly in the story, if it's a Christian author, it's there. It may be under the surface, but it is there. It just may take a little bit of digging to get that out of there.
4: Exactly, and that was definitely my intention with The Seventh Son because it is published um, for the secular market. It is intended more for the secular audience, but as a Christian myself, I couldn't not incorporate what I believe and and my faith values into what I write. And so for me, if you are a Christian reading The Seventh Son, I think it will be very apparent, um, some of those themes and those uh, Christian concepts for me that really come across in the story.
0: Right. Uh, Similarly, I was thinking of C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces, which is a retelling of the myth of Cupid and Psyche. So he's assuming for the sake of the story that this Greek world of gods and goddesses and all these legends are real in a sense, but the story is about more than just just these uh, these repurposed mythologies and that's so, my
4: favorite that's actually my favorite CS Lewis books so. a lot of people <laughs> say that
0: and I, I think I've only read it but once so I need to go back and read it again it's a good uh, I favor the ransom trilogy and of course Narnia as well as all of his nonfiction so how did you find out about Realm Makers then
4: um, I actually went to a Southern California Christian writers conference back in 2016 um, that's when I first was exploring this whole idea of publishing and writing in general and um, I had just had a baby at the time and my husband pushed me out the door, like took the baby out of my arms and was like, go to this writing conference, you need to do this and so um, I went to that conference and I just remember like feeling like, one, there's a bunch of Christian weirdos that like to make up stuff in their heads. This is amazing. I found my people. <laughs> and while I was at that conference, they someone had mentioned, oh, have you ever heard of Realm Makers? And I was like, no, what's that? And it was the first time I'd heard of it. And so I ended up joining the um, the online Facebook group oh, the, for the, Realm the, Oh, yeah, the consortium. Yeah, yes. the consortium. So I've, I've been a part of the consortium since, I think, 2016 or 2017. And I just had always wanted to come to the conference. But just it had never worked out until this year when I finally... Found out that I was a finalist, I was like, that's it. I'm I'm there, doing oh it. so
0: you found out yeah. you're a finalist and then then you're on your way. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, that's it, I'm coming. Yeah, Nothing's
4: stopping me now. So Yeah,
0: it was <laughs> it's funny hearing Scott read that excerpt and I'm going like, well, he's got two more excerpts to go, so we're, we're gonna get the whole novel here by the by the end of the night, which is really cool. Um, what have you What what has been your experience then with the conference? Just okay, it's now not just a cross section of a Christian writers' conference or even a fiction writer's conference, but these are all Christian creators of fantasy science fiction and beyond uh, exclusively so
4: this has been the most incredible experience especially because I've been to other conferences like I'm proud of Romance Writers of America the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrator, Illustrators I feel like I've gotten to go to so many secular conferences and this conference is just so unique to me because the community here is just incredible just the way that, that people know each other and support each other and love each other and then that we have this unifying faith that unite that it, unifying faith that unites us it does yes. it unites us yes <laughs> And to be able to, to be in a place where I can openly share my faith and, and have that part of, which is such a huge part of who I am, be able to come across. Whereas sometimes at the secular conferences, I feel like you have to be a little bit more right. cautious or careful.
0: circumspect, or, yes.
4: Exactly. And so for me, it's I just feel like I get to be fully myself here and I get to have that embraced and celebrated. Yes. And it's just, it's, it's wonderful. And like I said, to me, my faith is so important and such an important part of my writing that to be able to have that, not only embraced, but recognized and celebrated. It's yeah. just, it's a, it's a unique environment to be able to have that. Well,
0: there's so many different ways that people's faith in Jesus manifests in their storytelling. You can have a story like yours where you don't name check Jesus necessarily. Some people, especially those less familiar with fiction the church, may say, well, that's not a Christian book. Uh, at least for my part at Laurie, even in Fantastical Truth, a Christian book is a book by a Christian. And the only exception would be if it's a rather ornery sort of Christian with issues with the church back home who wants to put up a wall between their faith and their creative process. I don't find a lot of people like that. So I have a fairly broad definition of what entails a Christian book. And I'm, I'm looking forward to reading The Seventh Sun. I, I think I could just go ahead and say that. I'm looking forward to, to checking that out.
4: Yay, thank you so much. <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much for joining us. And where can people track more of your work and then what's ahead for you? Uh, is, this a, is this a trilogy that you're going to finish?
4: It is a trilogy. Okay. So um, book three is actually scheduled to come out in February of 2022. So okay. it is finished. It's ready to go. I should be seeing the cover any day now, which I'm anxiously waiting okay. for. Okay. Um, Does it come in black? It will come in black, yes. And from oh, what yes, I hear,
0: Mr. Wayne, it does come in black.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and from what I hear, it might have a crown on the cover. Is what I'm okay. really looking forward to. So, okay. um, so that comes out February of next year, and um, it will so that will be the final book in the trilogy.
0: Okay. And do you have a mm-hmm. website and some socials to uh, give to us before we we clear you out of here?
4: Absolutely. So you can find me on lonnieforbes.com and just my um, Instagram and social media is all just at Forbes because I have a weird first name. So okay. luckily, my website and. Social media handles weren't taken. Um, and then, yeah, so you can find my books anywhere from Amazon to Barnes & Noble to, uh, yeah, anywhere okay. books
0: are sold. Awesome. And uh, all links in the show notes, gentle listener. And it's Lonnie Forbes, laniforbe com. Mm-hmm. Lonnie, thank you so much. And Godspeed with the rest of the worlds that you're putting together for us.
4: Yay, thank you so much. <laughs>
0: We have one more sponsor for this episode, as is our want. Uh, they have announced that the Realmakers 2022 conference, to be hosted in Atlantic City, New Jersey, will be themed around time travel. So, in the year 2022, you can go to Realmakers and you can go time traveling. However, if you don't want to wait that long, you can actually take a time travel jaunt today. Thanks to our third sponsor, Revel Books, with Jody Headland's romantic time travel fantasy, "Come Back to Me." The ultimate cure that could heal any disease? Crazy. That's exactly what research scientist Marion Crichton has always believed about her father's quest, even if it does stem from a desire to save her sister from the genetic disease that stole their mother from them. But when her father falls into a coma, after drinking a vial of holy water believed to contain traces of residue from the Tree of Life, Marion must question all of her assumptions. He's left behind tantalizing clues that suggest he's crossed back in time. Insane. Until Marion tests his theories and finds herself in the Middle Ages during a dangerous peasant uprising. William Durham, a valiant knight, comes to Marion's rescue and offers her protection, as his wife. The longer Marion stays in the past, the more she cares about William. Can she ever find her father and make it back to the present to heal her sister? And when the time comes to leave, will she want to? A reviewer quote from Melanie Dobson, an award-winning author, says, Brimming with wonder, come back to me will keep you riveted until the last page, captivated by the possibilities. You can see the cover and get more info, including the purchase links at the show notes, lorehaven.com slash podcast for episode 71 and a few of the earlier episodes. So James R. Brown just joined us. Uh, He is not the same as James R. Hannibal, believe it or not. Uh, James R. Hannibal, uh, the owner of Dragon Raid, was our last guest on Fantastical Truth for Episode 70. Uh, But his partner in crime is James R. Brown, who has plenty of experience designing games. I have seen them lurking in the shadows at this conference, plotting their next uh, game exploits. James R. Brown, thanks for joining us for a few minutes. I want to know how your first Realm Makers is going.
5: Hey, thanks for inviting me on. It's going awesome. Man, I get to meet all these new people and authors and...
0: Just incredible uh, new friends that I'm making, so I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. So real quick, how did you get into game design, where you're drawing pictures of Angmar and all kinds of fantasy locations, some of which are familiar to fantasy fans, and some of which will be new, uh, as you all are building on Dragon Raid and turning that into the Light Raiders game? So it really kind of started when I was
5: 10. I was always interested in designing games, so I created my own wrestling role-playing game and all kinds of other little things when I was a kid. But then in 2011, uh, the One Ring role-playing game came out, and uh, game designer Francesco Nepitello designed that game. And I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so I really wanted to play. And so I picked up that game, read it, completely fell in love with it. It became my favorite role-playing game. And uh, because I was such a huge fan, the index of the original edition was really lacking. So I wrote an index for this game. They ended up publishing it in the core rules, and then I got to meet the guys, hung out at Gen Con, started okay. doing con games, and then eventually
0: wrote an adventure for them. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Awesome, so this is is this an example of the promoted fanboy? Which is, a, I believe, I've heard that trope being named. Mm, yeah, like kinda, you're a fan uh, who comes on and like demonstrates that professional acuity with uh, um, with the universe.
5: Definitely feel that way. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: how did you connect it with uh, James R. Hannibal then and, and Dragon Raid?
5: So, my wife had picked up a Dragon Raid uh, game at a yard sale years ago, and I had put it on a shelf, never really looked at it. But then one day, I picked it up and looked at it, and said, "Oh, this is cool." You know, I'm an, a Christian, a pastor, and this is like faith and role playing all in one. So. I said, I wonder if this game, I haven't heard anything about it. So I got online, I started looking it up. Just a month prior, he had acquired the game. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I I got in touch with him. He called me and he said, this is amazing how God put this together. So I said, is there anything I can do to help? He goes, yeah, you're going to help. We're going to work together and a few other guys. It's kind of an incredible story. So that's how I got involved with him at Dragon Raid. It's about three years ago now. We've been working together on Zoom, over the
0: phone, all of that. That is so cool. So God is sovereign in his creation of the real universe as well as our sub-creations of the fantasy universes. See, I dropped in the word subcreation there because of great Tolkien files, yes. yes. I, I see it a lot around, but I still think it's a great concept to expound upon, the idea that God made people to bear his image, to reflect his glory back to him. It's reflected glory, not stuff we're coming up with on our own, but part of that involves the imagination and involves the delighted creation of these imaginary worlds which you're doing, you know, a little different here at Realm Makers. You know, you're drawing the maps and making the rules and doing all of this for these games, not so much the, you know, fantasy worlds in print form. Uh, You just don't see a whole lot of that going on among Christians. And yet there is such a demand, there's such a desire, I think, even if people don't know it, Uh, even among folks like myself, I think, who did not grow up playing role-playing games, but now start to kind of Cast a little sidelong look and go, wow, that looks like fun and a great way to be discipled as well by believers in this imaginative context. Absolutely. That's a big big part of the heart of why I do this is
5: because Christians are playing role-playing games. They are involved with video games, which made RPGs pretty popular. So there is a huge need for this, and I hear it more and more all the time. But there's not a lot in the Christian market as a a way to get involved in these games. And I think you can, if I could take faith and mix it with my love for creativity and role-playing and sit around a table with people or even on virtual tabletop or whatever it might be and create collaborative stories together, but bring faith into it as a way to really learn about how to deal with real world things. I, It's just a win-win for me. So I I just want to create the best possible games I can create. I want to create games that I love to play. I don't want to create games that I wouldn't be interested in. So that's what I'm hoping. We can create some really awesome games that many Christians will be like, dude, this is cool. This is just as good as other RPGs. They see popular things. I, I want us to have new exciting things in RPG that they can see, and it's discipleship at the same time. We're like, training
0: up warriors for christ yeah that is fantastic i'm so glad you all are doing that uh, what's next for you i, I saw uh, the drawing based on your drawing of uh, the angmar uh, which is the mm. witch king's realm It's a very evil place nasty plus process <laughs> in middle earth so you're you get to play in that universe and you know, on a more mm. official basis as well as the world of the forthcoming light raiders so what's next for you and where can fans keep track of your work so I'll be partnering with James. We're, we're creating a whole new version of
5: Dragon Raid called Light Raider Quest, yes. OK? But we're also going to be creating some other things, too. So we have game books. we got a basic set, like a starter set for Light Raiders, different things like that to kind of bring these rules up to modern role-playing standards. And, uh, man, we're hoping to hit it out of the park. We think what we're creating, lots of people are just going to love it, eat it up, and it's
0: just going to spread. So that's what we're, we're hoping. So, Well, as we said at Episode 70, uh, go to LightRaiders.com for more updates about that. Uh, you all also just started that Kickstarter for the card game as well. Uh, you all have been keeping track of that during uh, this weekend's event.
5: Yeah, that's been phenomenal. So Kickstarter is fully funded and going on. Currently we've got 28 more days on Kickstarter. So go there, look up Light Raiders First Watch. It's a card game that's a scriptural memory game. But it also doubles up because there's role-playing statistics for Dragon Raid on it. There's also other statistics looking forward. So we put a couple of things on there that go with future Light Raider products on those cards. So it's perfect.
0: So it connects with the past as well as the future of Dragon Raid becoming Light Raiders. Yes, and
5: it's a standalone card game. So you can just get it for its own. Works perfectly. Great.
0: We'll see our uh, show notes for all of those links. Uh, James R. Brown, thanks so much for sitting down at the Lorehaven booth. Godspeed to you as you continue to engage these worlds for Christ's glory. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, Mary Schlegel just sat down at the Lorehaven booth here at the Realm Makers Conference in St. Louis 2021. We actually reviewed her book at Lorehaven. Uh, she was uh, one of the authors who submitted her books at the Lorehaven author resources page, and it's called The Prism Conspiracy. I had to go back and check. Yes, we reviewed that in April 2021. See that link in the show notes. Mary, it's great to have you here.
6: I'm glad to be here, Stephen. Thank you.
0: Well, we've met a few times in person at previous events, and I think you you met someone even more special uh, at a previous Realm Makers, did you not?
6: Uh, I did. Uh, My husband and I saw each other for the first time at the first Realm Makers and later realized we lived just a couple hours away from each other and recognized each other at a social event the way we were both at.
0: Okay, so that was Realm Makers 2013 Vintage Edition at the University, what was it, the University of Missouri campus St. Louis.
6: University of Missouri, St. Louis, I think.
0: Yes, that was a lot of walking and it felt very homespun because uh, there was only a few dozen of us. Yes. So I took, uh, just because I had moved to Texas. I took off the years uh, 2015, no, 2014 and 2015. Uh, and during that time, y'all were getting to know each other and yeah. were, were you all like critique partners or how did that work uh, where the friendship? Turned it started into more?
6: just you know talking about writing with each other. Um, we exchanged novel manuscripts that were that we had in progress and he's a really talented writer and I was really intrigued by his writing and I, I thought I was getting a big crush on his main character and then as time went on, I oh. realized, no, I don't actually have a crush on the main character. I have a crush on the author. And so things just kind of went from there. Eventually, we confessed that, you know, I, I like you as more than just a writing buddy. Oh, and that is we, so cool. Yeah, and so we were married in 2017.
0: Yeah, that's what my next question, is how long y'all had been married. And this year, uh, you have a third member of your quest party.
6: We do. We added baby Schlegel to the family last August, and she's here with us at Realm Makers this year.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And having a glorious time, it would seem, or at least that's been my impression. Uh, from Casual Observance.
6: She is a party animal. She loves attention and activity and lights and color. And so she, I'm expecting her to crash very, very hard after Realm Makers because she has just been going nonstop. Okay.
0: Wow. Does she have the talkable sticker on her conference badge?
6: <laughs> no, I didn't think of that, but I'll definitely do that for next year. That's yeah, a good just idea. run up
0: and see if they have some leftovers up there in the lobby and then you know, stick it to her, it forehead her forehead or forehead, something. Yes, yes. yes, that's yes I am talkable. <laughs> uh, that's how we at uh, Realm Makers uh, divide the the, the folks who feel more gregarious, feel more extroverted, and then others who might need to take their time uh, to warm up. You know, Authors can have different personalities, different gifts. Uh, the stickers are just our little way of recognizing that, which is one of the, just the cool, unique aspects of the conference.
6: Yeah, and it's an aspect I like a lot.
0: Me too. I've, I've actually got it on my badge. Uh, I don't know. It may be more to persuade myself <laughs> than anybody else. <laughs> but it seems to work, at least for the two and a half to three days that we're doing this thing. So have you benefited from, uh, how have you benefited rather, from any of the, the the keynotes from Frank Peretti? Have you gone to any classes? Like anything you're taking away creatively?
6: I am here just as a vendor this year. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. I decided that attending and having a vendor table for the first time and having the baby with us was a little much, so I'm just here in a vendor capacity. Uh, but I was still able to hear Frank Peretti's keynote over the uh, intercom system. And honestly, it was really exactly what I needed to hear. You know, with a 10 month old, my husband's in the process of career change and we have so much stuff going on in our lives. And I was feeling like, you know, what what is even the point of going, is there really any point in going to Realm as a vendor? We just started our publishing company and we're so half-baked, is there even really a point? And when I heard Frank Peretti say, Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And then next time, you'll do it less poorly. Yes. It's not about perfection.
0: It's about improving.
6: Yes. It was like all that anxiety just disappeared. And I'm like, you know what? This is a learning experience. And next time, we'll do it better. And the next time, we'll do it even better than that.
0: Yeah. I love hearing that, and particularly where Peretti is sharing about when he was feeling like a miserable failure, you know, working in yes. the ski factory. I mean, some of those stories can feel pretty classic, but it's true that even someone who's trying to struggle creatively may not get as big as Frank Peretti, you know, and then have this <laughs> great, rather unique delivery uh, and this, uh, this ability to engage with not only spiritual warfare, but all these other biblical issues right. uh, it may not get to be that big, but simple faithfulness. Yes. Uh, is gonna serve you as well. You're becoming more like Jesus. And that's the kind of teaching you were getting at Realm Makers, which I yes. really appreciate. I'm in the same similar situation to you um, with uh, being only a vendor this year. Mm-hmm. I just I want to get into conversations like this one uh, yes. with folks and previous years when like I love going to the classes, but this year I just decided, you know what? No, I'm gonna send my wife Lacey to the classes instead, and I'm just gonna get in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just Previously, I was, I was tempted to skip the classes for, in, in, in favor of the conversations. So. There,
6: there's so much to be gained from the classes, but there's also so much to be gained from just making connections right. with people.
0: Right. And, of course, it's not just the live conference here. You know, over 400 people now spread out between the live version of this event here in St. Louis and the online version. That's and, amazing. And as far as I know, that, that hybrid approach where it's, it's not an online conference, it's not a virtual conference, it's a real conference that is also online. Like, I think that's something that the pandemic has kind of brought out, uh, out of the duress of that, uh, doing all virtual conference last year in 2020. And then going forward, uh, RealMakers will be more accessible for folks who may not be able to get to the conference venue in person.
6: And more global as well.
0: Yes. Well, we had uh, uh, the book of the year. It was declared uh, last night. uh, Apprentice from uh, was Kristen Young from uh, from Enclave Publishing. Yes. Yeah. She's from Australia. So. As a sensei Steve Lobby said, Realm Makers is global. <laughs> That's a terrible impression. Or maybe accurate. I don't know. I'll listen to it later. It sounded
6: pretty accurate to me. I'm
0: working on it. It's, it's <laughs> basically a, a derivation of my impression of uh, Adam West, uh, who played Batman <laughs> in the 1966 <laughs> TV show. So, Mary, where can people learn more about your works and what's next for you?
6: So, um, I'm most active on Instagram, Mary Schlegel, author underscore. Uh, Is my handle on Instagram. Uh, You can also find me. um, I'm not as active on Facebook, but you can find my books on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You can also find them on my website, MarySchlegel.com.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those. We'll of course include the links in the show notes. And Godspeed to you and Aaron and your little one, uh, the little dragon you're training up. Oh yes, and Aaron (laughs) and Mary and their little one won the costume contest last night as well. So. They they had I mean it was a bit of a cheat honestly though baby (laughs) dressed as baby toothless but how can you not award them uh, the best of the night no shame whatsoever (laughs) all right Godspeed Mary thank you
6: thank you Stephen.
0: Philip Wilder here just got back from his pitch meeting at Realm As I understand, he has been to the conference before, depending on how you define Ben uh, We had the virtual conference last year. That was his first. This is his second Realm conference, but his first in-person conference. How is that experience for you?
7: It's exciting, honestly. It's great seeing all these big names and actually seeing their faces rather than just seeing it all online, but it's really neat after the conference is done or each day is done getting to just hang out with the guys or the girls whoever's hanging out and just playing games, getting to know them better, and getting to see the masterminds behind all these books. It's really interesting.
0: That's fantastic. That's, that's probably my favorite part of the conference is just reconnecting with friends. I enjoy the classes, the courses about cultivating your craft, and you know, enjoy getting together with people, doing pitches, things like that. But it's the camaraderie that just cannot be equaled. Uh, online got really close. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed certain advantages from the online conference. But there is just nothing like getting together in person. So thank god we were able to do that here in St. Louis. So how does the the live event you think compare to the uh, to the the digital only the uh, the streaming version only uh, from last year?
7: Well, if there's one thing to be said about Realm Makers it is that they are very technologically savvy. Last year was very impressive and I was shocked at how well they did it and they're continually continuing to shock me at how good they are at just understanding technology and making things flow really really well. So that's really neat, but It doesn't quite compare to this year, honestly, just because now I can really start building these friendships. Last year I had a few friends, but it's nothing compared to this really. So I'm excited to go back and see people online, on Instagram, Facebook, and feel like I genuinely know who they are rather than just understand that I met them. Right, right. So how did you find out about Realm Makers in the first place? Honestly, I found out about them a while ago. I mean, I've been writing books for a long time. Still not published yet, but (laughs) that day will come hopefully one day, God willing. And someone told it to me as a conference for writers where they have a Nerf gun war.
0: Yes, alas, poor Nerf gun war. We used to have a Nerf gun war. Uh, you may have to do that in the future off the books, but it was part of the uh, Rel- ages of <laughs> Realm Makers past. Uh, however, we have good imagination, so I suppose you could run around shooting an imaginary Nerf gun if you like and be in no way endangering to hotel property.
7: Yeah, well, I don't have space to pack a Nerf gun anyway, so I'm kind of glad that I'm not missing out on that. Like, I missed out on the amazing costume contest last night.
0: Oh, really? Oh, sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, so, it's okay. okay. So what's your imaginary cosplay? What, uh, who or what would you have been?
7: You know, this is kind of a lesser known thing about myself, but back in the day, while I was in college, I actually was Spider-Man at birthday parties, and I loved it. I have the right personality type, I have the right body type, and- You
0: do. Oh, now I'm not going to unsee that in the best possible way. It's totally there. Sitting in front of me is a slightly sandier-haired Peter Parker, (laughs) gentle listener. That's fascinating. (laughs)
7: People say that I sound like Peter Parker as well, too. And I talk a little too much to not be Peter Parker. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: you've got three times the talkable stickers on, on, your, on your badge, so I'm, I'm getting that, too. Who's your favorite on-screen Spider-Man, then? Toby, Andrew, or Tom?
7: I would have to say Tom Holland because... He just seems like a young Peter Parker, and I think that's just so interesting to see him make these little blunders, say these things. Whereas the other ones, it kind of seemed like they're, they were too old. Not that they were actually too old, but they were acting too old. I suppose I okay. could say.
0: Okay. well, that makes sense because, I mean, the original OG Spider Man—that's that's that's my Spider Man. Even if the other guys technically do better because they're doing it later, that's Tobey Maguire. Like he he actually taught me some valuable life lessons there. So. Toby, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, God worked his common grace through you. Good sir. Uh, but I, I, I like I like Tom Holland, too. I also like Andrew Garfield. I'm one of those who's like hoping that they all get together on screen in the next Spider-Man movie or something. That would be really neat. So are you going to be Spider-Man next year,
7: perhaps? So my boss kept the suit. So I'm going to have to get my own suit. Is your suit. boss
0: J. Jonah Jameson? Uh, no.
7: <laughs> no. I I probably would not be too good at photography, to be honest. Okay. But... Um, yeah, no, she booked me for face painting, for balloon twisting, for being Spider-Man and I love Spider-Man the most face painting I was terrible at, somehow they Uh, still paid me, I don't quite understand, but maybe it's because I'm (laughs) face painting kids and they're just happy to have whatever.
0: Yeah, I got paint on my face and it was totally legal (laughs) so you're not hearing then from your boss, bring
7: me pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man! Yes, exactly
0: So, what are you working on right now, just real quick as we wrap up and uh, what are you looking forward to doing creatively in the future?
7: Yeah, right now what I'm working on is, well, I'm pitching right now a fantasy book that is uh, about a boy who has this sudden ability. He just suddenly gets this ability. He doesn't even know quite how it works, but suddenly he's able to transport himself between the human and the spiritual realm. And so he's trying to figure out how this is happening and what's going on because he just suddenly finds himself in an arid desert with all these big monsters around trying to hunt him down and he has no idea how to get back
0: I hate it when that happens <laughs> so obviously a based on a true story here so we'll look forward to finding out what happens with that um, where can people track your progress and see whether or not that story has any uh, folks picking it up for publication in the future
7: Yeah you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Philip Wilder author I'm also just starting up a YouTube channel again Philip Wilder author Philip with 1l. <laughs> And I have a website, philipwilder.com.
0: So. Okay. It's com, and we will, of course, include all those links in the show notes for this episode. Philip, thanks for stopping by the Lorehaven booth, and godspeed in your future creative endeavors.
7: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: I enjoyed every one of those conversations, and I look forward, hopefully, to having more conversations with the authors, with the fans, anyone who's attending Realmakers 2022, which, Lord willing, uh, will be the live and in-person conference in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in July of next year. You can learn more by going to Realmakers.com. They keep that site up to date with all of their event plans. You can also go to our website, lorehaven.com and get the list of the winners in the 2021 Realm Awards for Best Christian-Made Fantasy. We'll, of course, include those links in the show notes. From there, let us step out of the studio and over here to the comm station. We have a dispatch from Caleb, a listener of Fantastical Truth. He sent us a note about Episode 70 with James R. Hannibal, the one about the RPG, or rather the Discipleship Learning Adventure Dragon Raid soon to become light raiders we just heard about that from james r brown earlier in the interviews caleb writes i was a 12 year old light raider for the olmn in 1985 and later purchased the boxed set i did try to get some of my friends in high school but it never really took off i spent hours creating characters and reading the handbooks of dark and light characters i lost the game i thought forever in the 90s it got thrown out because my wife thought it evil (laughs) Imagine my excitement to hear it is reborn. On a side note, you might remember a book in the 80s called Playing With Fire. It was a warning to Christians of the evils of playing fantasy RPGs. That's what Caleb wrote. I just have a quick thought about that. I actually remember reading similar warnings, maybe not in the 80s necessarily, but in the early 90s, left over from the 80s. So I'm more familiar with the warnings I received about RPGs, Dragon Raid, and otherwise before I ever even understood, oh, this is, a, this is a tabletop game. Like some of the warnings I kept thinking, oh, that's like my friend who has the Nintendo video game set. And it took me a while to realize this was not some technological thing. Uh, this was a game set with instruction books and dice and all of those things. So interesting what your imagination can do. And it's also interesting and a bit sobering to know what the Christian's imagination in the eighties as now can do when we don't understand the purpose and the possibility of games like this. God has made us to use our imaginations for his glory. If we do not understand the purpose of our imaginations, we're going to be using our imaginations in very wrong ways, either to idolize fantasy or to idolize the illusion of safety. Of rules that don't come from scripture, but from our own imaginations that won't actually prevent us from the flesh, from our desire to be tempted, to idolize things. Uh, If you, however, don't sin any more than usual by enjoying a game like this, uh, and if it's a Christian made game like Light Raiders that actually helps you learn scripture memory and think and imagine like a saint, like a Light Raider, then for God's sake, literally play for his glory. From there, let's take one more flashback to our portion of the podcast recorded, then live, at the Realm 2021 Bookstore Vending Hall. So this is Stephen, flying solo this time, just checking in in the middle of the Realm Makers Bookstore, the open house event that we have ending every conference, as we have for the past several years. I'm at the Lorehaven booth, don't have a guest right now, just wanted to share a few thoughts Uh, It's been an amazing conference as I speak. All of the featured authors, those who have been on faculty or those who are Realm Award winners, are in the Grand Auditorium behind me. Uh, There are long lines for book signings. Uh, Frank Peretti's, of course, having such a long legacy of the supernatural thrillers and other fantastical novels uh, that he's graced us with. Uh, He has the longest line, but there's so many other authors, including many that we've had on the Fantastical Truth podcast. I'm actually about to uh, pack this up for the night and go get some books belonging to these authors and get them signed myself. Uh, Several of those I'll probably be talking about in future episodes of the podcast. Uh, If you are listening and as I am guessing we had to delay the podcast by a few days Uh, that's because both Zach and I were traveling back. Uh, We both drove separately, and uh, Zach, I think, is going to take a couple of days. And he's the one who uh, all the time is putting together uh, the podcast. He does a very awesome edit uh, with the podcast, keeping it as professional as you hear it. Uh, I'm blessed to do a lot of the outlining uh, and being the publisher of lorehaven.com. It's just an amazing experience. Uh, It's amazing to get back to reality through the conference Uh, There was a while there when Scott and Becky Miner, who run Rollmakers, uh, had to make a lot of difficult decisions. We talked some about that during our podcast episode last year. Last year, they had to go virtual only, and that was a difficult call. They had never done a virtual conference before, but it worked. Largely, it worked. And this year, they not only have the virtual conference, but also the live conference which a grand total, as I've heard before uh, from Scott, was uh, attended by over 400 people, both online and in person. It's just really great experience, and you can come home with a conference high, conference Symptoms may include loss of sleep uh, and a bit of a, uh, a natural drug-like haze about the goodness of humanity and why can't we do this all the time? Well, kids, it can't be Christmas every day. If it was, it wouldn't be Christmas. It would not be special anymore. That's one good element from uh, Frank Peretti's messages that I'm taking home is uh, you've got to think long-term. can't just think short-term, whether you're succeeding in the short-term or failing in the short-term. God is sovereign. He has the story planned out. And so we are bound by Scripture to think long-term, not just in terms of the, the span of our lives, Uh, but also with eternity in mind. So that's what I bring home. Uh, For any of y'all who create these kinds of stories, uh, that should come as a great encouragement to you. And for those of you who just enjoy finding these stories, that's what Fantastical Truth is for. We want to reach out to more of these fans. We believe strongly at Lorehaven that these stories have a unique ability to glorify God. If we are reading them with critical thinking, if we are reading them with an attitude of worship, uh, not just entertainment, and uh, not just expecting a sermon or the, uh, the more churchy means of discipleship. If we are doing those actions with that intent, then I think God can truly bless us through stories that are more fantastical, uh, that push the limits a little bit, not the limits of truth, uh, but the limits of our expectations for reality and help us look at reality anew. For now, this is E. Stephen Burnett from lorehaven.com at the Realm Makers Conference 2021 here in St. Louis.